Okay, good morning, good morning, good morning. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Colossians 1. It's going to take us uh, a second to get there, but I want your Bibles open. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's some hard black bound ones around you. I want you to see God's Word. This Sunday is no different than any Sunday here at this church. And so I want you to see God's Word. God's Word is better than mine today, so you will be blessed with your Bible open more than staring at me. It will take us a second to get there. I'm going to have you flip once or twice. I'm going to read without you once or twice. But we're going to do this together. That is Colossians 1. I was thinking, I was praying over our time together. Brent said in his prayer that we see the power and the truth of who Jesus is. We are going to do that through his word this morning. We're going to see the heart of Christ. That is our goal. But I do have a thought. I have a honest curiosity as I was praying about who would be here this morning. Is what does the cross mean to you now? If you are lost, if you are searching, if you are weary or tired or encouraged or full, you are a Christian, you are black, you are white, you are young or you are old, whoever you are, if you are a member or a non-member, if this is the first time you ever heard the name Jesus and you came for eggs, what does the cross mean to you this morning? And I'm very curious about this. I am fascinated that in Huntington, Tennessee, in a room of... Some odd 300 people, we are in all different seasons. We have the one individual in this room that is very filled, and they see the cross as this huge bright light, and we have another individual who is very distant from the idea of even who Jesus is. I'm very curious, as an individual, not your family, not your marriage, not your mama, not your church, but... What does the cross mean to you this morning? Here is a perfect verse for a perfect Sunday. This is 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross, for the word of the cross is folly. It's foolish to those who are watching. But to us, those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So depending on you, who you are, the perspective in which you see the cross, what it means to you this morning is really dependent on the power of this morning. Now Easter Sunday is a very, very special service for believers. Easter Sunday is a Sunday, it is a service unlike any other service during the year which is full of imagery and stories and pictures, relevance and representation. There are many images just in this room. There is the image of the needs and the needs met. There are people in this room that are very needy. And what I mean by needy, you are tired, you are struggling, the marriage is hanging on for dear life, your mind is drifting, your soul is weak, and you are struggling. You got up this morning and you did not want to put the khakis on and shave, but you're here. 
And you are in need of the cross. And for some, you are here and your needs have been met by the cross and you are uplifted and you are encouraged. And this is what I find fascinating. The weary and the weak and the strong and uplifted, they're all staring in the same direction. No matter who you are, season that you find yourself in, if you are uplifted or you are dragging, you're staring the same way. Same watering hole. This morning represents new life. It represents transformation and restoration. New beginnings. It might not have meant much to you, but I had five guys, as I do every single Easter for the last seven years since I've been here, five men stand before you and they read the Easter story and 90% of the room just heard that and said, well, you know what? Just, they're reading the story and the scripture. I get it. It's, I understand it's very traditional. I understand what he's doing here. For those five guys, they were personally chosen by the pastor of this church to stand before you, people who have been reborn, who have been transformed, restored, that are growing in Christ and they are privileged they are honored to stand before the church and read the greatest scripture ever written. That is an imagery of new life for those men. This morning is an image, it's a picture, it's a representation of God's love for his church. I was studying this week and I was talking to Stoney and I said, Hey brother, you remember last Easter, man, it was just me and you in the woods, brother. And I don't even think it was Sunday. It was like Saturday afternoon and we were recording. I was still in my pajamas eating a ham sandwich with my family watching myself. There was nobody in the church. We had plenty of room if you wanted to come. You were watching on YouTube. You were watching on Facebook. You were at home. The church was shut down and then now there is not a place to sit. Amen? Amen. If the, Lord, if, if the Lord wanted to take away the church, if the enemy wanted to pluck it, if the world wanted to crush it, this would have been the time. But you see God's love for the church. You see the importance of the body. Also something that might not mean a ton to you, but it does me. It does the people who have been here for a minute. I sit here and I just look at all the faces this morning. Man, I was watching Laura and Jade sing with those kids. I was just staring at them working and the kids smiling. We have so many little heathens up here. <laughs> all right. And I was just watching them and I was like, man, seven years ago, they voted on if they should shut the doors or not here at Eastview. And literally now there is not a place to sit and we're voting on building a million dollar building. Amen. Why? Because we are awesome? No, it's because God loves his church. And Easter is a representation of this. Every image, every story, every character, every representation that Easter gives us, it all, the weary, the weak, the strong, the church, the singing, the kids, the seniors, everything falls under what was accomplished on the cross and the assurance of the resurrection. I love this. Your pleas and your praises all rest on the cross. Your deficits and your strengths 
all hang on the cross and your past, your present, and your future, it all depends on the cross. There is great power in Easter. 2 Peter 3.9 from my Wednesday night crew, we read this together and man, talking about who God is and his patience towards us and how Easter is this wonderful representation of the Lord's patience with those that he calls his. This is a verse that we read. Just listen to my words. I'll be done by the time you get there. But this is a representation of God's heart towards his creation. 2 Peter 3.9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Why? Not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. What does this morning represent? Does it represent nice clothes, Easter pictures, egg hunts, and chocolate? Or does it represent God's great grace? his mercy, his love, and his patience that he was willing and wanting to give his son for our salvation. There was no flood. There were no Assyrians. It was his son who came to hang on the cross. And it is a sign of his great love, mercy, grace, perseverance, and patience towards you and I. Now, in the midst of this moment, church, I really want you to understand the moment. In this room, there is an array of seasons. There is an array of personalities and there is an array of moments and experiences that you guys are walking in right now, all being drawn to the same place. If you've been at this church, we talk about how God's word is literal and also living. It is literal as in God's word is speaking about a specific time in history, but it is also living because it's also speaking to you and I. So what have you seen if you've been at this church in history, biblically that is? We have seen all these characters and all of these generations all coming and speaking of the coming Messiah and the returning Messiah. I love this. In the Gospels, right here, Everything that we read hangs. Everything in the Old Testament hangs on the cross. Everything in the New Testament hangs on the cross. This morning is a representation of the moment in why the Bible exists and why it's good news. That is literal, specific, what is happening biblically in history. Now let's talk about your history. In your history, in your personal walk, and all of your characters, and all of your experiences, and your moments. It is all drawn to the same exact space of the cross. And I told you we're going to see God's heart and why Jesus came in his word. I want you to look at the scripture I told you to go to in the beginning in Colossians 1, 19 through 22. The heart of Christ. It says in chapter 119, For it pleased the Father, for it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, had made peace through the blood of His 
cross. All things hang on it, church. All things hang on this moment that we find ourselves in celebrating today. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of the flesh through his death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. Now God, in the midst of his resurrection, sees his creation as good. When I was younger in the ministry, 10, 12 years ago, Easter meant something completely different to me. I love the story, I love the moment, I love the characters, I love the cross. But as a pastor, this was a moment of opportunity. Like, this was great marketing. Like, you had to be here, it's Easter, right? We're going to feed you some donuts, we're going to pass out some eggs, we're going to sing some kids' songs. I got your attention for at least one moment. And so I would look at this moment and go, okay guys, like bringing home a girlfriend to meet your parents, don't mess this up. So I'd look at our members, make sure you smile and shake hands and cook a good food. Do well during these moments. Pick out your only best songs. If I can just get you here. If I can just get you in the building, well, well then I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to hear the songs and see the kids and you're going to be engaged in the message. And then you're going to love it like I love it. And you're going to meet your Sunday school teachers and you're going to see the vision. You're like, man, I need this. If I can just get you here and Easter provided that. But like a gym membership skyrocketing in January because we're overweight and it's New Year's resolutions, you realize that that only lasts for a moment. Easter marketing of donuts and Easter egg hunts is not going to solve what the problem is within the church and the community. What people need and what people desire, what people are lacking is nothing that I can give them. Is nothing that the youth group can provide for them. It is nothing that the church walls can establish in them. We need Easter to present and provide transformation to the gospel. We need new beginnings and we need new life and we need for God to step forward in your life and for you to see who you are imperfected in the light of his perfection and see who you are. And in that moment where you see your sin and you see your brokenness and you see his perfection, I prayed last night for the lost this morning. For you to duck and take cover because you know God's hand is coming down on you. And as you hold your head and you duck because you have seen your brokenness and you have seen your drifting and you have seen his perfection instead of a hand, I pray that the gospel floods you. I pray that you don't see judgment and wrath, but you see God's grace and mercy and you see the cross the way the cross was supposed to be seen for the first time in your life. How does the cross look this morning to you? What does this morning represent to you? How do you see God's, Jesus' resurrection? How do you see the church? For the first time in my life, probably this year, I would say that I saw the most power I have ever witnessed in the cross ever in my ministry or walk with the Lord. 
As you see in this picture that, that we found, I looked at the cross and I was thinking, man, the cross is this ultimate picture of a watering hole. Everybody needs water. The awfully out of weight, the obese physically, and the people who are struggling with their health, and then the marathon runner, the one thing they have in common, they both need water. And it hit me yesterday that even though we need water, essentially even more than food, the majority of us take water for granted. Even though people die daily not having water, very few of us appreciate the water that we have. And so we find ourselves this morning, room full, different seasons, different walks, different spaces, different stories, same watering hole. Same place, same direction, same reason that God has called you here this morning. How do you see the cross this morning? Are you unthankful? Are you taking it for granted? Are you filled with empty tradition of ham for lunch and blue polo shirts and Facebook posts that fuels your day? This morning, does the cross show you that you're dehydrated spiritually and you are just looking for a drip, something to save you? Your life is spiraling. Is that who you are? Are you filled and refreshed and grateful what the cross means to you? I told you personally, each Easter as I get older in my life, the cross becomes clearer. It becomes more meaningful. It becomes more powerful. Like I see the substitution and sacrifice more intimately than I ever have in my life. Every year that grows in my heart. Like 10 years ago, man, I knew the story. I understood the moment. But as I age, I was sitting there at my desk last night with just tears in my eyes because it becomes more intimate every single year. Do you see the sacrifice? Do you see the substitution for what it's supposed to mean in your life? Like I see the love, I see the reasoning, I see the desire behind the moment. I see the evidence of history. If you've been at this church, we have walked through a lot of books of the Bible in the Old Testament. Do y'all see this? Man, we have held hands and walked slowly through Daniel the majority of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah, and all of those studies and all of those verses and all of that scripture points to this morning. Like they were all saying the message, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And he came and what they do, they nailed him to a cross. All throughout history, they were hearing about this and when they received it, what they do with it? They squandered it. And when they realized when he rose and they ducked his head, what happened? What did he do? He poured out the gospel. I see the desperate need of the cross this morning. Personally, I don't know where you are in your walk, but I feel like God has lifted me up so I can fly. And I feel like he has dragged my limp body through half of my existence all to get to the same watering hole. Where are you today? Where are you today? Where are you in your walk? How do you see the cross? What does it mean to you? I want you to go to John 16. I want you to see these verses. I read these every Easter. 
This is a beautiful picture of Jesus's heart, why this moment exists, what led up to the verses our men read to you this morning. I want you to see it for yourself. Nothing is greater than seeing the heart of Christ in Scripture, especially on Easter. Look at John 16, 16. I want you to see it. God's Word says this, 16 through 24. In a little while you will not see me, Jesus says, and again in a little while you will see me because I will go to my Father. Then some of his disciples among themselves said, what is this he says to us? Meaning, what is he saying? They didn't understand. This was right before they took Jesus to the cross. They didn't fully comprehend. And he says, listen, in a little while you will not see me, and then again in a little while you will see me, and because I will go to my Father. And they said, what is this that he says a little while? What does he mean? Now Jesus, who knew that they were desiring to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while? And you will not see me, and again in a little while you will. Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, for the words will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful for a moment, but you will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Hang with me on 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy will no, will no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. I want you to see this in verses 20. 16, I'm sorry, 16, no, I'm 17, 20. Last verse is here. 17, 20. I read this every Easter. This is the heart of Christ. In this moment before they take him to the cross, Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples and he prays for you and I. He says, I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through the word, that's you and I, that they all may be one as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, that the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, and that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. I love 24. If you have heard nothing today, feast your eyes on this. It is awesome. Father, before he takes them to the cross, before they spit on him and stab him and curse him, Father, I desire that they awesome whom you have given me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you, and these things have known you who have sent me. I have declared to them your name, and you will declare it once again, that they will love you which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them as well." The cross this morning amazes me because not only did the Lord want to provide the moment, He desired to do so. 
Not only did he provide a way, not only did he desire to do so, but he rose three days after to give us assurance to celebrate exactly what we're doing today. I want to read one more verse. I know we've read a lot, but I want you to all piece it together. I want you to see the verses for yourself before we pray in Isaiah 53. Go to Isaiah 53. This is the last verses I want to give you. We see the heart of Christ. We see... The moment that not only did he provide, not only did he desire to do so, but it's been foretold since the beginning of the world. In Isaiah 53, God's word says this, 1 through 6. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Some of your Bibles say shoot. And as a root out of the ground, he has no form or comeless. And when we will see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow. This is six to seven hundred years before Jesus' birth. And we will, hit, we will hide as we are faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has been borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and chastised for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are all healed. All like sheep who have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Seven years before Mary gave birth, the profession of God's foretelling Jesus on the cross was spoken about. This morning before we pray and we go on our separate ways and we go outside and we egg hunt and fellowship and have a wonderful time as a church and as a family and friends, I plead with you, if the verses that we read today about the heart of God, the patience, the grace, the mercy, the power of the cross is not the story that lives within you, if that is not the Jesus you know, if that is not the God you walk with, if that is not the beauty of the church you live in, I pray that you pray, God save me. Step forward in my life. Show me your life. Break me, Lord. Take my walk. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for the scripture that you gave us. We thank you for the people that you provided. Lord, coming together on Easter and reading your story, having our men read the story as you journey to the cross, but during the message, hearing your heart and hearing Jesus' words and his desire and his provisions and his patience and his mercy and his grace makes today powerful. Lord, we know that the cross is a watering hole for all people. And we know in this room some are saved and some are lost. Some have been confident that they know who you are, but when we read those verses, they know that that is not the Jesus they walk with. Lord, I pray that you save this morning. I pray that those who are born again, who have been restored, who have been lifted up, they lift their hands high, they scream to the heavens, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood that is shed. Thank you for the resurrection, the assurance, the undeserving grace that has been poured in us. I pray that we celebrate. But for those who are lost, 
for those who are weary, but they are staring in the same direction. I pray they find this altar and on Easter 2021, they are saved. Lord, take my life. Take my life. Restore my marriage. Help my family. Lord, I pray for the lost. I pray for the searching, and I'm thankful for the saved. In your precious name, the church says, Amen. Amen.